0: Hi, my name's Paul Grogan and welcome to episode 61 of the all-new Gaming Rules podcast. This episode is an audio version of the live Q&A that went out in January 2024. A big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for making this episode possible, and if you like the content that I create and you want to support the channel, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now, on with the show. Good evening everybody. Thank you very much for joining us for this uh, slightly later than normal live Q&A. Normally do these at five o'clock, doing it at seven o'clock tonight because I've been playing Agamonia all afternoon. Vicky's working late in January. Um, We've literally only just finished dinner five minutes ago. So um, yeah, rushed upstairs and yeah, here we go. So Q&A, first one of 2024. Happy New Year to everybody who I haven't wished Happy New Year to. And thank you to everybody for joining me live in the chat right now. As always, uh, we're going to be going through all of the questions that I've been asked in advance from my BGG Guild, and then we're going to fire over to the live questions. So if you have any questions for me, and you are watching this live, please put them in the chat. Start with the word question in capital letters, then a colon, then a space, and then put your question. And Vicky will transfer all those to the doc. We'll be here for about an hour and a half today. Hopefully. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely exhausted. Today's Today's playthrough took a lot out of me uh, and I've been rushing around all day. So yeah, absolutely exhausted already. And unfortunately, because I've been playtesting, uh, not playtesting, because I've been filming a playthrough all day, I've not had a chance to look through the questions in advance. So apologies for that. I normally do uh, some prep on these and I haven't had a chance. So let's jump in and let's start. The first question is from a guy called David Turksey. Um, some of you may have, may have heard of him. He's asking, who are... My three favourite non-main characters from all of Star Trek. Uh, so I did actually see this question a couple of days ago where, when David asked it, or maybe even at the start of the week. And yeah, I haven't had a chance to think about it. So uh, let me know what you think. Let me know what you think in the chat. Non-main characters from Star Trek. I would have to have a really good think about this um, because every time straight away I'm drawn to just just the main characters. Um, but I'm trying to think non-main characters from Star Trek. I mean, there's been so much Star Trek over the years. Yeah, I might have to get back to you on that one. Um, I say that, and I, I, I very rarely do. But pest me on Slack. Let's let's start a discussion channel on on the Slack, uh, and I will I will have a think about it. Um, I mean, we could pick some bad guys from some of the films, possibly. That might work. Or we're talking possibly one-off characters. Uh, I mean, Noonian Sung from uh, the original Space Seed and from Star Trek 2. But Star Trek 2 is the best Star Trek movie of all time. Um, and the guy who played Ricardo Montabon, who played... Um, I forgot his name. I just said his name. Uh, and I can't remember now. Khan, that's it. Um, and I will, I will, I will, I will tell you this. This is this is potentially controversial because I think Benedict Cumberbatch is a fantastic actor, and I think he has been in some amazing films, and he's brilliant. And I think he was completely miscast as Khan. I don't think he made a good Khan at all. Um, in fact, I think I think that was a bad film. I don't, I don't think the film was a good film for many reasons. But actually, I think he was. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think he fit that role at all. Uh, and he's brilliant in everything else that I've seen him in. Anyway, so um, probably Khan from Star Trek 2. And from the original Space Seed as well. Um, but yeah, I could sit here for the next half an hour trying to think of non-main Star Trek characters. Um, I would literally, to answer this question properly, I'd have to go through like loads and loads of Star Trek episodes. Uh, and, and try and pick out which ones had had characters in that I thought were were amazing I tell you what there's one that comes quite easily to mind Q uh and that is partially down down to John Delancey who I think played Q brilliantly and I think the Q character uh the way that they introduced the Q character and then the way that Q changed over the years there were a few comical episodes which were a bit bit silly um but overall the Q character I think was a, a very interesting character um so anyway right yeah there we go i've answered two out of the three two out of three ain't bad next question from mike mike says have you ever felt an expansion to a game makes it worse and got rid of the expansion no i don't think i have ever got an expansion for a game and then got rid of the expansion uh i'm sure there must be Um, parts of an expansion which I felt didn't work correctly. Uh, On a similar note, um, one of the new Steffenfeld City Collection games, I think it was Amsterdam or was it Hamburg? Hamburg, yeah. So Hamburg's not an expansion, but Hamburg came with about six different extra modules. And one of those modules, personally, I think is one of the worst modules ever designed for a game ever and i would never play with it and that's the the alternative intrigue tokens burn them throw them away never use them just you know put them in the in the the bag um and and this is just because in the original game these tokens they got you one of two different things but now some of the tokens from the the random module um some of them give you one thing some of them give you three things and it's like why are you just adding a completely random extra factor into the game for no benefit anyway so um yeah i can't think of any but this is another good question another good question for you who's watching this in the in the chat are there any games where you felt an expansion actually made the game worse i can't think of one that comes to mind i don't think all expansions are necessary uh, and i think certainly sometimes expansions do can fix a game and make it better. But I don't know of any expansions which directly made it worse. I may think of one later on, but yeah, if you know of one, let me know. And I will try and keep an eye uh, on the chat Layer up says rails from the north. Um, presumably great Western trail. I've not played rails to the north from great Western trail. Um, so yeah, I can't, I can't say on that one. Next question from Mike, how likely are you to change your mind on a game over time? Does your first impression normally hold true or do multiple plays often see you change your opinion? So, three different questions there. How likely are you to change your mind on a game over time? Not likely. Normally, my first impression of a game is normally normally a good indication of a, of a game. There are certain exceptions, such as the Pathfinder Adventure Card game, which I won't go into the story here. If you are one of my patron supporters on the Slack channel and you want me to tell you the story, then let me know later on or later next week maybe when I've got a bit more time because I can tell you the story. Um, but and I've talked about this loads of times over the years. Basically, I absolutely hated the game when it came out and now I absolutely love it. But that's rare. So it is unlikely for me to really change my opinion of a game. However, um, my first opinion on a game can sometimes change over multiple plays and the most recent example of that is evacuation so evacuation the 2023 game from vladimir suhi and delicious games when i first played it i was like wow this is great i love this game fantastic this is great then i played it again i'm like yeah this is great i'm still unlocking this puzzle then i played it a third time and i'm like "Ah, oh, this is great now that i'm five games into evacuation I still like the game. I still think the game is a good game. I think it's very clever. I like the mechanisms of the game. But my concern is with long term replayability in the game. And again, I I could go on for 10 minutes about this. Um, And it only took me five games, maybe four, the fifth game that sealed it for me. Because in that fifth game, I'm like, right, there's four rounds in this game. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to build the spaceship on round one. Then on round the end of round one, I'm going to transfer some of my things across. Then on round two, I'm going to build another spaceship and ship some things across while shipping other things back. Then on round three, I'm going to build another spaceship and use those two spaceships to ship everything across. And I think that's the optimum way of getting all of the stuff off the planet. Because there aren't really multiple strategies in this game. And that is my concern with the long-term replayability of it. Is that you have an objective and that is to try and move as much stuff as you can. Well, pretty much everything off the planet. And once you've worked out that internal puzzle... Every game is probably going to follow the same flow of well I'll just buy a ship then I'll move everything across there and it's small changes within that so yes multiple plays sometimes make me change my opinion of a game definitely final question for Mike how does 2023 compare to other years of gaming uh it was fantastic Every year for me is fantastic. I mean, you're not going to beat 2016, 2017 for quite a while. Those two years collectively had some amazing games in them and we haven't beaten that yet. Um, But in terms of innovation, new favorites, or a lot of the same with some refinement. I'm one of those people that's always positive about new games coming out. It really, really bugs me, frustrates me, and makes me angry. When there are people who go, I've looked at this year's new Essen releases and there isn't a single game of interest to me. Now, if that's their honest opinion, that's fine. But these are people who, for me, they're just a bit blind to what's coming out. And I'm not saying what's coming out is better than everything that's been there before. But to say that there's nothing of interest coming out in the 2000 new games, it just really, really bugs me. And if you're one of those people, then, you know, that's that's just it. It's, you know, if you if you want to think that, 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 that's fine. I live in a world where, okay, we might not have any game that comes out this year that's better than my favourite game of last year. But there's always new great games coming out every single year. Um, so there were new favourites. So one game did come out in 2023, which has jumped into my top three games of all time and might actually be my number one favourite game of all time, beating Mage Knight. Might be, I don't know. Um... Yeah, so Void, Voidfall was fantastic, but there were some uh you know, hegemony was also uh very different from last year. You could say innovative in terms of it used an interesting theme and turned it into a game. Um so yeah, I don't I don't think it's a lot of the same. There was a lot of the same. We we had we had a lot of standard Euros that came out, but even them I really like them. Next question from Gavin Have you ever theme sorry? Have you ever had a themed board game evening where every game you play fits the theme? No, no, never done that. Um, Gavin thinks he's often thought of an Irish game theme night where he plays Irish Gage, Inish, Brian Borrow and things like that. So I've never done that. If I was to have one, what would it be and what games would you play? Well, good question. Let's put that question out um to you let's say i was to have a games day here where i invited some friends around and we played games all day and we live streamed it what theme would you like to see and why um because depending on the theme that you pick hopefully i will have multiple games in that genre um yeah, I and mean, the, the the one that brings the, the one that first comes to mind is Cthulhu. But how many Cthulhu-based games have I got? I have the Arkham Horror the card game, and I have Unfathomable. I don't know if I have Um Yeah, I don't know if I have any other Cthulhu themed games. Um Vicky's reminded me, every year for the last what, three years, maybe four years, me and Rick do Star Wars Day. So Every year on May the 4th, Rick comes over if he's allowed to um, because of COVID and things like that. And we do Star Wars Day. Now, sometimes we only get one game in or maybe two. So that's the closest I've I've probably come to it. Um, Yeah. okay. Uh, Suggestions in the chat are farming. Yeah, I've got many farming games. Um, uh, What else? Um, Mars themed, how many Mars themed games have I got? Three? Terraforming Mars, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition on Mars I might be it, might be it. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking at the chat now for those people that are watching this chat, the chat is very busy if you have a question for me, you need to start the question with the word question otherwise Vicky won't see it. So if you if you've asked a question in the last 10-15 minutes and you haven't started with the word question, it's going to get missed. OK, I have an I have an AI program sat near me looking for the word question. Well, it's only fair on you. Um, so, yeah, please, please re put the question in, but start with the word question. Otherwise it, it will just get missed. Right. Next question from Adrian. Do you prefer Euro solitaires over ones with player interactions? Oh, so let me just. um. So, I don't like a lot of negative player interaction in games, okay? Um, So if you're talking about player interactions where I'm going to attack you, I'm going to steal your stuff, I'm going to do this, no. I much prefer the whole I'm trying to do something, but I do like a little bit of interaction even if that's worker placement, stealing spaces, or things like that. So. Which would I prefer? Uh, I think I'd prefer the one with a little bit of player interaction. But as I say, I I want non-direct interaction rather than direct interaction. Next question from Liz. Do you recall in the past a new game coming out that was obviously capitalising on the success of another and with the release of the new game being as controversial as Wormspan? I'm thinking all of this grumbling will blow over pretty quickly. I think it's already blown over once the game is released. And in the end, we'll have just helped sales by raising the profile of Wormspan. So for those people who don't know, um, Stonemaier Games about a week or so ago announced uh, another new game uh, called Wormspan, <clears throat> which it, it says in the subtitle, it says Wormspan, a wingspan game. Now, I don't really know much about it because I'm, <clears throat> I'm only sort of half, looking at what they're doing. But it looks like it is, it's not just a reskin of Wingspan. It's actually its own new game, but with a number of tweaks. Now, if you want to go and find out about it, I'm sure lots and lots of YouTubers have recorded lots and lots of ranting videos that have got 10,000 views, all complaining about it. Go and watch them. I have no interest in in their opinions um because they just get views from negativity um but there was plenty of it going about and from the little i know about it this isn't just wingspan second edition it isn't just wingspan with a couple of tweaks it's actually its own self-contained game and feel free to correct me if i'm wrong um but it's clearly based on the core idea that that is wingspan And, of course, it's Stonemaier Games. Lots of people in the industry and the hobby, well, not the industry, but lots of people in the hobby just love to hate them. But all of the jokes and all of the discussions and all of the ranting videos that came out about it and all of the posts all over social media, all they did was help market the game. Stonemaier Games don't need much marketing themselves because everybody does it for them. Um, I don't recall any game in the past coming out well no so do i recall in the past a new game coming out that was obviously capitalizing on the success of another yes terraforming mars aries expedition if terraforming mars aries expedition wasn't terraforming mars aries expedition but was some other random game it wouldn't have done anywhere new as well so terraforming mars aries expedition did capitalize on the success of another there you go um and yeah, I don't know uh, if you've got any other ideas, let me know if you're watching this back afterwards. We've already got a number of questions for you. So if you're one of the people watching this video back or listening to this podcast afterwards, we have who's your favorite uh, character from Star Trek that isn't a main character? Uh, if I was to have a board game themed day, what would you like that theme to be? If I live streamed everything. and name a game that has come out that has capitalized on the success of another because i'm sure there are many and we're not talking expansion sets here we're not talking ticket to ride something part of the you know ticket to ride columbton or we're talking other games other complete games that have capitalized on the success of a first one right then okay so next question from kenneth which is worse a badly designed game with terrible mechanisms and balance, but a very clear and well-organized rulebook, I can see where this is going. Or a well-designed game with a terrible rulebook that makes the game virtually unplayable when trying to learn from the rulebook. Ah, now I have my own my own thoughts on this. Okay, um, and this is another another pet bugbear of mine is Those YouTube review people that rate a game 10 out of 10 and say that this is the best game ever. And the rulebook is awful. Now, I'm not just saying in my opinion, the rulebook is awful. But when you have all of the people who've played the game say the rulebook is awful. And then they go and give the game a 10 out of 10 and say it's the best game ever. That really frustrates me because as a reviewer I don't think that is fair if I review a game and I say this game is a 10 out of 10 and then you go and buy the game and you go this rulebook is absolutely awful how can you give a game 10 out of 10 that's got an awful rulebook now that's my own personal thoughts on it I don't know what your thoughts are let me know if you agree or disagree um but I I considering I have such a hang-up over bad rulebooks because there shouldn't be bad rule books. It is possible to create good rule books. It is actually possible and publishers should be doing it. So for me, if you've got a well-designed game with a terrible rule book that makes the game unplayable when trying to learn from the rule book, that for me is worse than a badly designed game with terrible mechanisms, but a very clear and well-organized rule book. Because at least the publisher, even though they've designed a really bad game at least they've gone to the effort of doing a rule book, which means that people can actually learn how to play. So yeah, for me, I mean, that's, it's it's a difficult question because both of those are bad, but definitely the second one. Uh, Next question from Keith. Have you ever abandoned a game because of the behaviour of one of the participants? I'm probably, I probably have Keith, but not in the last 10 years, maybe, or so. Um... Yeah, I can't think of any time, but I'm sure when I was younger, I'm sure there would have been situations where somebody, you know, walked away or anything like that and the game was abandoned. There was an infamous game of Game of Thrones, which happened here uh, about 12 years ago, but I wasn't in it. Um, but there was a bit of a falling out over that and somebody got in his car and and, and drove home afterwards. Um Yeah, that was interesting. So um, I didn't play in that game, but yeah, I'm sure it has happened. But generally the kind of games that I play and the kind of people I play with now, that doesn't really happen that much. Uh, Keith has said, what's the longest time that a game that you want to play and never have has sat unplayed on your shelves? Oh, that's a good question. So a game that I have on my shelves that I've wanted to play and it's been sat there unplayed for the longest, is probably Torres. Um, So I got a copy of Torres from a friend of mine when I still lived in Hertfordshire. So that was 16, 17 years ago. And I think he was having a clear out or something. And he said, look, I've got this game. I'm never going to play it. Do you want it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. And it sat in my house for probably about 12 years, 14 years, something like that. Um, and I remember when Senate magazine contacted me and they were doing their first issue and they wanted me to be the guest on the article of pick a board game that you've got in your collection that's been there the longest and, and, and play it. And I did. And that was Torres. So it's probably been, yeah, maybe 15 years, something like that. I don't think I've got anything else which is been there as long as that. That I've wanted to play. I have some games in the attic. Which I've had for 20, 30 years. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I would also say Gumshoe. But I actually did try playing Gumshoe in the late 80s. Oh, that's longer though. Yeah, okay, we're going to say Gumshoe. Forget Torres. Uh, So I I have a copy of Gumshoe. And if you don't know what it is, go and look it up on BoardGameGeek. And I tried playing it, I think in the late 80s or early 90s. And I've been wanting to play it since. So what's that? 30 years? Yeah, 30 years. Right, next next question from uh, Vegard. What's the coolest theme that would work for a board game, but still has not been used in one? I've been asked this question a couple of times before, I think. Or similar questions. Um, yeah, the coolest theme that would work for a board game, but still hasn't been used. Well, if I knew the answer to that, I would be... Well, I wouldn't be designing my own game because I can't do that, but I would be um, I would be suggesting to other people. So I'm 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 not really one who can think of interesting themes in games, but there are certain games that come out where I go. Oh, that's a theme that hasn't been done before, but I would struggle, I think, to think of a theme which hasn't been done before. Um, Again if you've got one, let me know. Either let me know if you're watching this live or if you're watching this video back later, let me know. Is there there an interesting theme which you think would make a a good board game that hasn't been done before? Um, Yeah, because all of the ones that spring to mind I'm thinking, oh no, that's been done, that's been done, that's been done. Um, And every every so often we do get new games come out with weird and wonderful themes um, which haven't been done before. One of them that springs to mind for me was the um, that one where there's the guy in hospital dying and you're trying to save him. The game was awful. Absolutely awful. One of the worst games that I've played. But the theme of the game was unique and it, and it hasn't been done before. Um, and if you like that game, that's fine. But I, we played it and yeah, Vicky's shaking her head. It was one of the worst games that I've ever played. What was it called? Hmm? Holding On. The life of Billy Kerr. Um yeah, just it just yeah. Didn't didn't really and one of the reasons why I didn't like it is the theme was absolutely irrelevant. Absolutely, completely and utterly irrelevant. The the game was some kind of logic puzzle of making a pattern with some cards. That was it. That was the game. There was no real actual theme in it. And in fact, for the game to work, you actually had to. Try to not heal the patient, it was it, weird. Anyway, yeah. If you've got any ideas of um, of of cool themes for games that haven't been done before, then let me know. Paul Snugs has got a question. When did you set foot on the slippery slope of playing games with unpainted miniatures? Yes. So this is in reference to the fact that we've started um, a second Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth campaign. And unfortunately, with the with the campaign, uh, it uses a digital app. And I have all of the stuff for Lord of the Rings Jersey in Middle Earth. And we wanted to play with just the characters from the expansions, but none of the monsters. Because I haven't painted all of the monsters. I've only painted all of the monsters from the base set. I haven't painted any of the monsters from any of the expansions. So I wanted to say to the app, Don't use the monsters from the expansions, but you can't do that. If you want to play with the characters from the expansions, you have to add the expansion to your collection, at which point the monsters from that expansion might show up. So unfortunately, because I'm behind on my painting, uh, we are playing Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth and some of the monsters that turn up are unpainted. Um, And it's not great because some of them are painted and some of them are not painted. And it, yeah, it's next on my list to do. After finishing A.M. trespass Odyssey. um Anyway, next question from Bart. Do you ever have a game night where you just couldn't pick the right game for the group? Bart says it happens to him sometimes. Uh, people have lost interest in a game, remembering the rules wrong. Uh, and it does make him a bit frustrated. He tries to avoid this by picking 10 games of which we play three or four. But even then, it's sometimes difficult to get the right game for the night. Um, I don't have that happen to me very much. Now, I'm in a slightly different situation to most people in that I could tell you the games that I'm playing on a Friday night for the next six weeks. It's all planned. I know pretty much exactly what I'm doing for the next six weeks in terms of games. And that is a combination of um, games that I'm covering on the channel, games that I need to learn in order to do a video for or something like that. Or games that I just want to play more of in preparation for my top 10 games of 2023 video. So for me, I, I generally know in advance what game we're playing. And I give the players a choice. And I say, look, this is the game that I'm playing this Friday. I need three people for this. If you don't want to play this, then you can play another game downstairs. Quite often when we're doing a stream on a Friday night, there is another group of people downstairs playing a game. So people generally generally have the choice. So yeah, I don't I don't have that um but i can see if you're in a situation where you've got a small gaming group and this person doesn't like heavy euros this person only just wants to play fillers whereas this but yeah you know somebody likes does, somebody doesn't like boring euros another player doesn't like direct conflict you're gonna find it difficult to find the right game with that group again thankfully i'm quite lucky in that most of the people around me like the kind of games that i enjoy Uh, Next question from Radek, he says, since he's a cat lover, uh, or she, Radek, I'm not sure. Anyway, since they are a cat lover themselves, got a somewhat different question. Where did Loki come from? Loki came from the Cats Protection Agency. So, yeah, Loki, uh, I mean, I could, you know, if we want to go into the biological details, I can explain how cats reproduce, but um, you probably don't want to talk about that. Uh, Yeah, so we got Thor and Loki, we got them together, they are brothers. Uh, we got them from the cats protection agency um, we saw them advertised and we went and saw them uh, and another couple had seen them just before us, but they weren't suitable. So, um, so yeah, we got, we got Thor and Loki. Next question from, um, <clears throat> from Jeff Bob. Um, Have I ever considered teaming up with other content creators to create a UK version of Dice Tower? That is a really good question. Because the answer is yes, I have thought of this many, many times over the past three or four years. Um, but each time it's just been a thought um, and I very, very likely won't do anything about it. And the reason for this is, um, first of all, the Dice Tower are huge, right? And you've got to be pretty big in order to start um yeah in, in order to be established enough and my channel is not big enough um believe it or not you know there are a lot of people who think i'm one of the the big content creators out there i'm, I'm not i'm actually medium to small um but there are a number of other uk channels who i regularly uh who i'm friends with and i support them and they support me um so we got tom from slicker drips we got mike dennis from ready steady play we've got luke hector from the broken meeple uh there are other ones as well, but I don't generally engage regularly with the other ones. And I did think, oh yeah, at some point maybe the four of us could join together and make one network. But first of all, we 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 all do our own things. You know, I don't want to take anything away from them or what they're doing. Um, and yeah, i I'd, I'd like to collaborate with them on things, but even that takes time and effort and everything else. You know, in an ideal world, I would be collaborating with them regularly once a week, once a month, or whatever. Um, And as it is, we don't do as much collaboration as I would like. So yeah, I've thought about it, but I think the reality is, well, there's two options. We either get together and we form a network. Now we could do, but I have been a member of two networks before that, to be fair, was a waste of time. It it, it didn't do anything, right? Um, Both of those networks that I was part of it didn't benefit anybody in the network nothing came of it and then both networks fell apart so yeah i mean i could i could say right we're part of the the uk youtuber network or whatever and i could get a website and this that and the other and we could do something and whatever uh and we could get all of our different videos and we could link to that but it, it as i say i've been a member of two other networks before that have both tried to do this and it it doesn't work. I think the only way it can work successfully is if those people decide to put their content on your channel, like the Dice Tower, for example. So which means speaking to Tom, speaking to Luke, speaking to Mike and saying, look, you guys, I've got this idea. Let's call it the Gaming Rules Network and all of the content that you publish, don't publish it on your YouTube channel, you publish it on mine. I don't really wanna do that for them um, because I want them to each have their own success. Anyway, that's, um, yeah, that's that. Next question from Stuart. Now, Stuart says, this may require a separate fireside chat with Paul to cover it all. Um, so the first thing is Stuart spelt the word separate wrong, but that's fine. We'll we'll we'll, we'll pass on that. Um, so on the subject of paid work, Stuart has read uh, my Cuzco script. So yeah. Um, So at the moment I'm working on a number of how to play videos. One of them uh, is for the game Cuzco, which is the sixth game in the Steffenfeld City Collection. Uh, And my patron supporters on my Slack channel have access to the scripts. So as I'm writing the scripts for these, I like to share that with my patron supporters for those of them that are interested to see how the process goes of me creating these videos. Anyway, and the one that I shared most recently was Cuzco and Stuart looked at the script. Anyway, uh, he said that he's, I, I made a note, yeah, I did make a comment that I've actually got seven how-to-play videos that I am actively working on at the moment. This has never happened before. This is a very, very unusual situation. Normally, I have one how-to-play video on the go at once. I do it, I work on it, I write the script, I film it, I check it, I re it, I do final editing, And then it's done. And then I move on to the next how to play video. In some situations, I might have one on the go while that's being checked by the publisher. I'll then start to work on another one. But at the moment, in fact, it's eight because I have written the script for Terminus this week. So I've got eight how to play videos that I am actively working on that haven't been published yet. Anyway, Stuart is asking that he was interested in the different processes involved for each type of paid work. Yeah, this would be a half-hour discussion. This would be it's basically me explaining my job and and how I do my job for all of the different pieces of work. So let's answer these few questions that Stuart's got as a as a as a start. So question one for a how to play video, how much say does the client have over my script and the style of presentation? The rules need to be correct, but do they stipulate how they want the game presented or the order that I run through it? So in general, I have 100% control over my script. In terms of the structure of the video, I will take on board any feedback that the publisher has or the designer has. but in general i believe that you know i've been doing this job a while and i've been teaching games for about 40 years i think i'm pretty good at teaching games i think i'm good at working out the best way to present that information to an audience so generally speaking the structure of my scripts the publisher doesn't don't doesn't need to change it could happen that a designer says oh you've mentioned this a bit late could you bring it forward or something like that, maybe, and I, I might do that. Um, There is, um, Vittel Lacerda has asked me for the next video that I do for him to mention the theme more. He has, he has said that my videos tend to be just focused on the rules, and, and they are, I will be honest, because my job is to teach you the rules of the game, but Vittel has specifically asked that if I can include more thematic explanation with his next video. And I I will do that. He's asked me to. So as long as I understand the thematic integration of the mechanisms, then I will, I will put that into a rule book. Um, sorry, I'll put that into a video. Um, question two from Stuart when it's just a sponsored playthrough and one of the designers is in, is in the live chat, is there an agreement on how much prep you do or how well, how well, you know the rules? Yes. So when I have either the designer or the publisher in the live chat and it's a sponsored playthrough that is a safety net that doesn't mean that I do less preparation I still want to do as much preparation as I can I still want to learn the game practice the game practice teaching the game except I do all of that because that designer who's agreed to be there in the chat might suddenly be ill So I cannot rely on them to be there to pick up any errors. Um, If they are there, great. It's an additional safety net and it makes me feel more comfortable. But I still do all of the preparation that I would normally do if they weren't there. And the third question, and this is a really interesting one, Stuart, and I might have to stretch this out for another time. But do I have a preference for how-to-play versus playthroughs? Because I've actually been thinking about this over the last couple of weeks. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story that I've not told anybody yet. Um, I do a lot of live playthroughs on the channel, and if you've been keeping an eye on my channel, you will notice that I haven't done a how-to-play video for many, many months. That isn't because I've stopped doing them, it's because I've currently got eight on the go at the moment. And Yeah, just you wait. At some point in the next few months, there's going to be lots of how to play. Well, there's going to be there's going to be two how to play videos coming out for me by the end of this month. And then in about another month time, there's going to be five how to play videos. So all of these how to play videos, you're going to be bombarded with them. So I'm doing a lot of playthrough videos and the playthrough videos are fun. uh, Because I get friends round and we play the game and we actually get to play the game. However don't ever think that my job is easy. it's actually really stressful. Um, you know yes I'm playing games but making sure that we're doing it right, fiddling around, making sure the camera angles are right, I am constantly on edge I'm constantly worrying about things. so every time we do a live playthrough, you know I'm trying to have fun and I'm I am having fun but I'm also very very tense and as soon as the playthrough is finished, my adrenaline levels are really high, I'm like having a hot flush. Um, because I'm a very nervous person and I'm always trying to do so many things at once. So the playthroughs are hard work, even if I make them look easy and it might look like, oh, it's just Paul playing games with his friends. um, It's not. It's It's a lot harder work than you think. Whereas the how to play videos are less enjoyable because I'm just here on my own taking shots, editing them together and I enjoy editing them together but it's a 25 30 or 90 hour process depending on the on the game and that's all time that i'm not spent playing games i'm just spent filming editing writing scripts and all of that lot it's it's just work you know um and i enjoy the end product um i'm usually disappointed depending on the game when you've put 30 hours of work into a video and about 2,000 people have watched it and out of those 2,000 people only about a hundred have actually watched the video Um, It's always disappointing when you look at the stats in YouTube and I I don't look at them that much because they're really demoralizing But you look at a video and you think oh two and a half thousand views That's okay. And then you see you actually go into the stats and you find out that 95% of people stopped watching after 30 seconds. They literally just clicked on the video and went not interested so you, th- you look at a video and you think, two and a half thousand people watched my video. No, they didn't. About 150 people actually watched the video. And when I spent 30 hours, 35 hours creating a video to find out that only about 150 people have watched it. Yeah, doesn't fill me with great feelings. Anyway, the reason why I'm telling you this story is there is a game which I am very, very keen on at the moment, which is called Earthborn Rangers. Now, I have been dabbling with this game a little bit over the last few weeks. I haven't created any public content for the game yet, but I have actually been in discussion with the publisher about the game, about me doing some videos for it. Uh, And Andrew Navarro, who is part of Earthborn Games, I've had some email discussions with him and he said to me, he says, Paul, your how to play videos are absolutely fantastic. They are Top-notch, really clear, well-presented, well-filmed, well-edited, you know, really good. He said, I would love if you could do a how-to-play video for this game. Now, my workload for the next four, five, six months is actually really busy. And I said, I said, well, I'd I'd love to do a how-to-play video for the game, but I don't want to promise that I can do it and then not be able to do it. So I said to him... I would probably be able to do a playthrough video because the advantage of a playthrough video, like I've just mentioned is one, I get to play the game, right? Two, for a game like Earthborn Rangers, I think you need to see the game actually being played. So I've got a whole extra 10 minute spiel that I can give you about the difference between the two, but there are lots of people who watch how to play videos from either me, or there are other people creating them as well who watch the video and think, right, great, I I can now go and play the game. But my personal opinion is the best way to learn a game is to actually see the game being played. And that might be ironic because I create how to play videos, but I create all different types of videos. And Earthborn Rangers, if there was a how to play video for the game, I don't think that would be as good as a teaching tool as an actual playthrough video. So I went back to him and I said, I can't do a how to play video for you, but I would like to be able to do a sponsored playthrough at some point when the second printing of the game comes out. And that's what we've been discussing. Now, since then, I have played the game. I've been dabbling with playing the game a few times. I've played through the prologue two and a half times and I've dabbled a little bit earlier on this week by playing one day of a demo scenario. And after that, I am now reconsidering my discussion with him on what type of video to create. And the reason for that is Earthborn Rangers is the kind of game where you are going to have rules queries popping out at you every five minutes. Every single time I have tried to play it, I don't understand how this works. I don't understand how this works. What about this? What about this? And the problem with that is any playthrough video for that game is very difficult for me to get it right. So I talked earlier on about how when I'm doing these live playthroughs, I get quite anxious and I get quite nervous. I would be terrified. Right now, I would be terrified doing a live playthrough of Earthborn Rangers. Because as I say, every single time I've tried playing it so far, all of these rules questions have popped up. And every single time they pop up, I have to go and find an answer to understand what to do. Whereas a how to play video, I will spend two to three days writing the script. I will get the script checked. The script will be absolutely 100% correct. I will then film the video. I will then edit the video. It will be 100% correct. There is no nervousness of me in the middle of a live stream saying, I don't. I. I don't know. I've got a thing here that acts when I've succeeded in a test. But does this thing happen before that? Do I exhaust the creature before I manage to put the counter on it? You know, all of those questions that we'll have. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there are. I think I. I. I would prefer the playthrough videos if I could remove that element, which you're never going to be able to remove, of the nervousness. Of getting something wrong which is always going to be the case anyway there you go that's that's a long time spent on Stuart's question so apologies for that we're gonna have a long Q&A tonight (laughs) right I'll try and uh, I'll try and answer the next ones uh, a bit quicker so next one from Brian in the BGG the quad video everybody picked their best game rated over 1,000 on BGG yes if you've not seen this yet go and check out Board Game Geek. There is a series called The Quad, uh, and I was on it as a guest, and we talked about our favorite game that was outside the top 1,000 on BGG. And the reason why we added that stipulation is because, uh, oh, uh, sorry, and the stipulation was it had to be more than two years old. And the reason we added that stipulation was because there were games outside the top 1,000 Because they'd only just been released and they were definitely going to make it into the top 1000. What we wanted to do, we wanted to pick a game that was outside the top 1000 that we didn't think would ever make it into the top 1000. Uh, And Brian is asking, what game was it that I was thinking of that was outside the top 1000 that I thought would make it in? There was actually a few of them, but I think Voidfall was one of them. Um, Anyway, next question from Brian one question this month and it's actually been my homework for the last two months and don't tell me that the cats ate your homework what is my expert opinion on raspberry jaffa cakes we still haven't eaten them but what i will tell you is that i did finish a pack of now we think they're blueberry and i was going to ask stevie stevie's not in the chat is he so stevie from finland uh, at essen gave me packs of Jaffa Cakes of of various flavors and he gave me one of them and I really should have taken a photo of the packet beforehand and I didn't but I've had them in the last month and they were amazing so I think they might have been blueberry um I don't I don't quite know but yes I've not tried the raspberry ones yet next question from Andy he's just got into too many bones and he's got two quick questions one do I still get a chance to play it no if I did it would probably be on the channel so, no, nope, I haven't had a chance to play it recently. The last time I played it was when Ben and JP came over and we went through the Automaton of Shale, um, which is on the channel if you're interested in watching that. Next question, what two gearlocks would you recommend for a two-handed? I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. It's um, I'm not an expert at the game by any means, and I would not be able to recommend uh, two gear locks to you uh, at all. It all depends which set you've got um and what your experience with the game is because some of them are easier than others um but yeah if you're looking at a new player using only the gear locks that come with the game then you want to play patches which is the healer um and the other one there isn't boomer and there isn't tantrum pick it I might pick it. So anyway, yeah, those two because they they are the easiest ones I think together. But honestly, I yeah, it all depends what style you want to play. Next question from Mark from an Avalon Hill player from the past. Me as well. Uh, which games that were chart driven would you want to see republished if it was redone as a card driven or card assisted game? Oh. So yeah what's what, a good question. What Mark's referring to is back in the uh, 70s and 80s when Avalon Hill were producing games, um, all of the games that came out pretty much had charts. Because they, they, everything stemmed from a wargaming background where basically everything that you did in the game, <coughs> you rolled a dice, rolled another dice, looked it up on a table and there was a big chart. Um, and games don't use charts these days but it it, it was a common thing um so which games that were chart driven would you like to see republished if the if if they were if they were changed into a card driven or card assisted game i don't know because it's been so long since i've played any of those games and some of them i think have been redone um yeah i can't i can't think about that i'm sorry i'm really sorry because i think that's a really good question and I did play those games um, with with charts back in back in the 80s, but I think even if those games were redone, I don't know whether I'd play them again. They, they'd have to be completely re-implemented. Um, and yeah, some of those games I, I I still have. I mean, you know, Merchants of Venus, you know, one of my favorite games. Um with, with the variant rule where you remove the dice. Um what else did we have? We had Acquire. Obviously, games like 1830, things like that. I'm trying to think of the old Avalon Hill games. Civilization and Advanced Civilization, but I don't think they had charts as much. Um, I remember Battletech had a chart. um, And Battletech is an interesting game because over the 25, 30 years that Battletech's been out, the rules haven't really changed. So a lot of Battletech is still roll two dice look your result upon a chart they they haven't changed that at all but yeah it isn't a thing that's done in modern games right the last question from the bgg guild is from avron there are games that often get considered to have changed the hobby eg dominion uh pandemic are there any such games in my top 10 or close to it well you're asking for me to give you my top 10 games of all time. I don't think I have my top 10 games of all time. Where is that list from when I did my big thing last year? I mean, let's go through games which I think are in my top 10 games of all time. Point me out if there's something that I miss. So Mage Knight, was did Mage Knight change the hobby? No, probably not. Uh, through the Ages, did Through the Ages change the hobby in the same way that Dominion and Deck Building did? No, I don't think so. Uh, Voidfall, no. Maracaibo? feast for Odin. Marvel Champions, Arkham Horror LCG. What other games have I got in my top ten? There's a game. There's another game that I've played recently that I said, "Oh, this might actually be a top ten game for me." That isn't Voidfall. No, I can't think. But anyway. Um, I don't think there is a game in my top 10 that has changed the hobby as much as those games that you've said. And that is because the ones that you've said, there are not many like that. Um, There are not many Dominions, Pandemics, Gloomhavens, things like that. I don't think Gloomhaven is a top 10 game for me. I don't know if it is. It might be. It might be. So we'll say we'll say Gloomhaven, because I think Gloomhaven did change the hobby. It also changed the industry. I think there are a huge amount of fantasy cooperative adventure games that just would not exist if it weren't for if it weren't for Gloomhaven. So yeah. Uh Martin is saying other games that are in my top ten of all time, Federation, Bitoku, Bitoku, that was it. Bitoku covered it on the channel again last week. Bitoku might be a top 10 game for me. uh, And we're talking top 10 of all time, not just top 10 of that year, because I just love it. But again, I don't think it's changed anything. So no, I don't think there is anything. Right, let's have a short break and let's tell you about the contest. So for those people who don't know, every month as part of the live Q&As, I give away £50 worth of game vouchers. Now, before we talk about the vouchers, I just want to say one thing. These videos are not sponsored in any way. Uh, At some point, these videos may be sponsored. I don't know. But uh, one of the things that I've never been lucky with is unlike some other content creators, and I don't want to sound bitter. I'm just saying this this is how it is. Lots of other content creators right now are doing videos. Oh, this video was sponsored by, this video was sponsored by. Somebody's paying them to make the videos for paid marketing, advertising, whatever. That's fine. I've never had that. Nobody has ever reached out to me and offered me any kind of Oh, we'd like to sponsor you or whatever. So I don't make any money out of these. These are all done on my own time. Uh, and they're all only made possible thanks to the support of my Patreon supporters. So thank you very much for your support. And if you are not one of my Patreon supporters, but you want to become one, then you can join at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. So not only are these videos not sponsored, I give away £50 of games vouchers every month. Now £25 of that comes from me. And 25 pounds of that comes from games law. And if you are watching this video or you are listening to this podcast, you can enter the contest and all you need to do to enter the contest is, there is going to be a link going into the chat right now. uh, And I will put this link into the video. In fact, Chrissy, if you're watching, if you could put the link to the contest in the video, that would be great. And all you need to do is you need to click on that link. It takes you to a Google form. We need your name. We need your email address. Whether you're a patron supporter or not, if you are, you get double entries and the secret word. And the secret word today is something based on what happened this afternoon. I would like you to tell me what are the odds of rolling four sixes when you roll four six sided dice. So let me know what the odds are. That is the answer to the, the secret word. Either put it as a percentage or one in whatever um but yeah that may have happened this afternoon at some point um but yeah 50 pounds worth of games vouchers um you have until the next q a and the next q a should be on february the 14th except it's not going to be on february the 14th because you're away i'm away it is on february the 14th i'm doing something in the afternoon so the next Q&A might be on February the 14th if not it'll be the 21st anyway what I'm saying is you don't need to enter the contest now if you're if you're watching this video back tomorrow or next week or whatever you can still enter the contest 50 pounds worth of vouchers can be yours and even if you're not in the UK you can still enter uh, and games law will ship overseas so good luck to everybody for entering right Now we are gonna go on to the questions that I've been asked live since we have been uh, on air. We've got about 30 minutes left and we've got time for a couple more questions, I think. So again, if if you were here earlier and you asked a question and you didn't put the word question uh, and I don't get to it, then please re-ask the question, but start with the word question. Right, so board games unwrapped, snowman or snowball fight, snowman. Definitely, easy, easiest question of the week. I'm getting a look. Would you prefer a snowball fight? No. So yeah, thank you very much for that question. Cause all of the other questions that I've had until now have been really difficult, but that one, nice and easy, snowman. Next question from Jackie, will I be covering Sankore? Well, I wanted to Jackie, because you may know that I did the how to play video for Merv. And when Sankore came, was was announced, I was like, oh, it's another game. Now, it's a different, it's a different game, but it's obviously, it looks similar. Uh, Ian O'Toole did the artwork for it. Um, and one of the designers I know, and he said, oh, yeah, hopefully Paul will do the how to play video. Osprey Games didn't want me to do a how to play video for that game. I wanted to, but I think that they've either picked somebody else to do it. Um, and again, not wanting to be too down on things, but like i mentioned earlier on my videos don't actually get as many views as i think they deserve and a lot of other people think they deserve and publishers look at the number of views and engagement that a video gets and they go ah that doesn't have that many views let's get somebody else to do the video that's how the industry works so um yeah please go and watch my videos because literally my livelihood depends on it um but no i i I have no plans to cover sankore Um, I do have a copy of the game, thankfully, you know, I I do have a good relationship with Osprey, I am doing some sponsored videos for them, I'm covering Imperium Horizons uh, in a few weeks time, Um, so I do have a copy of the game, and I might cover it at some point in future, but it's always a bit difficult for me to go, okay, well, I could cover this game, and I could do a playthrough video, that takes me a lot of time to prepare and plan for it, Um, And I've got to fit that in with all of the other games that I'm doing. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Next question from uh, Eric. Am I completely abandoning my old teaching style videos in favor of the more heavy cardboard-esque round the table? Ah, right. So, well, I'm assuming Eric asked this question before I went into uh, the details of what I'm working on. So just to clarify, Eric, no, I haven't abandoned that whatsoever. I have eight how to play videos that I am currently working on but the reason why I haven't done any for a while is five of those videos are for a little game, it's it's like a little white filler game called Aeon Trespass Odyssey. Um, Aeon Trespass Odyssey is not a light filler game, it's a massive box game, it is by far the most complicated game that I have ever had to learn Um, and I agreed back in I don't know, March, April, I think it was, April or May of last year. Uh, I decided that I wanted to make my life harder than it was uh, and cause months and months of suffering and misery. That I, I just woke up one morning and I thought, you know what, I'm not miserable enough. Let's agree to create a series of how to play videos for the most complicated game ever. To, now, To be fair, I didn't realise just how complex this game was until after I'd made the videos, Uh, sorry, until after I'd agreed to make the videos. So it's been, I think we added it up, it's been about 250 hours work so far. I have spent the last four or five months, maybe four months working on these videos. There's a series of five videos. Uh, They range between 35 and 45 minutes long, each one of them, and it's taken me at least twice as long to make each one of these videos as it normally would have done for a game of that complexity because the game is massively complex, the rulebook isn't great and I've had to ask a million questions so anyway, there's those. I also have the how to play videos for Vienna and Cuzco, the two new Steffenfeld uh, City Collection games I say the new ones, because the, the actual new, new ones are going to Kickstarter next week. Uh, no, 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 next week, next month. So Vienna and Cuzco, they will be done by the end of probably... Well, they'll be done by the end of this month. So there's, there's two of those. They're, they're about 75% done. I also have a how-to-play video for Terminus, which I've written the script for, but it hasn't arrived yet. I also have a how-to-play video for Inventions. So right now, I've got five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's nine that I know about uh, seven of those eight of eight of those are in progress so yeah don't don't worry there's there's lots of those coming out um next question from clearly the one have i seen the new trailer for frostpunk 2 i have um yeah frostpunk is no longer my favorite computer game of all time but it used to be my favorite computer game of all time so it is my number two favorite computer game of all time Uh, And I have seen the trailer for Frostpunk 2. And it looks absolutely fantastic. Um, If 11-Bit Studios made more board games, would you do a review? Okay, so to clarify, 11-Bit Studios is the the company that made Frostpunk the computer game. They did not make Frostpunk the board game. So 11-Bit Studios doesn't make board games. They make computer games. It's the company called Glass Cannon Unplugged which made the board game. And they do other games. And yes, I am going to be covering their other games. In fact, I've already covered Apex Legends on the channel. Um, I am going to be covering, hopefully, their Diablo board game that they've announced. And there's another one that they've got in development, which I want to cover, because it's a game, it's a it's another one based on a computer game IP that I know and I like. So yes, Glass and Unplugged are one of my favourite clients. I love them. I think they do great stuff. Um, and i will be covering some more of their games okay the next question so i tell a lie earlier on i said that jill's question snowman or snowball fight was the easiest question in the world it wasn't this next one is this is from uh jojuin what's your favorite marvel game marvel champions that is easier than the snowman or snowball fight question because marvel champions is amazing absolutely love it um i don't understand the next question will i do a your board game so yeah i don't understand that one next question from sven uh the world cup for azul starts soon does it <clears throat> what do i think of such a hybrid event well this is the first i've heard of it so <laughs> i don't know there's an azul world cup fine that's that's fine if people want to want to take part in that, that that's absolutely fine which game would i like to see played And in which game would you like to become world champion? Ah, well, which game would I like to see played? I I don't know. I mean, going back 25 years, I used to play competitively. So I used to play Magic the Gathering at tournament level uh, and I took it quite seriously. And I also entered uh, a few board game contests. So there's the the Euro Masters, which takes place at Essen each year. I was actually in that twice now i don't enjoy playing uh, games in a tournament or seriously competitive format i've not done it for a very very long time but i know that i wouldn't enjoy it because i don't want that extra pressure um yeah just don't enjoy it whatsoever so i i wouldn't take part in anything really what we do have we have the, the next best thing which is uh thanks to brett one of my patron supporters on my patron supporter slack channel we have tournaments uh, which are played on Board Game Arena. Uh, we've had um, various tournaments over the years, and we're in the m- at the moment we're in the middle of a heat tournament. So we're playing heat. There's 50 people who've entered. Uh, we're on round two at the moment. I managed to win the first game, I think, even though the AI beat beat all of us. Um, but yeah, so that I like that. I like the fact that I'm in I'm in tournaments uh, and that you know I get to play games with my patron supporters. But as far as um, what game would I like to see played at a World Cup, I don't. I really don't have any specific preferences. Um, and in which game would I like to become world champion? Which game would I like to be the best at? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll say Voidfall because it's a relatively recent game. Um, and I think if I was really really good at voidfall I would enjoy the game more not because I'd win but because I'd feel a lot more in control of what I were doing so yeah we'll say that right next question from layer up would you appear as a character in a board game i'm sure that's been asked before that's definitely been asked before uh i would i'd, I'd be happy to appear as a character in a board game in fact i already have there was a print and play game that came out last year i think last year called shoes tactics and grogan the gray got added to it as a, as a character. So yeah, I'm, I'm already in a board game. Look up Shoes Tactics, S-H-U, apostrophe S. Um, but yeah, if somebody made Gridcon the game, then yeah, we'd, we'd definitely both be in that as characters. Uh, next question from Matty. Any plans for a video tutorial for Lucerda's New Inventions Evolution of Ideas? Yes, I've mentioned that earlier on. That is uh, one of the games which I will be working on at some point over the next few months. Uh, The game hasn't arrived yet, I don't actually have the physical copy of the game, and I haven't actually played the game yet at all. Um, So unlike his other games, I haven't played the game, I haven't been demoing the game, I didn't do any playtesting or development on the game, Um, I didn't work on the rulebook at all, so I don't know really much about the game whatsoever. I did play a very early version, like a little bit of it, but not much at all. So I will be working on a video tutorial for uh, Vital Lucerda's Inventions, which is apparently being delivered to backers in the next couple of months. But yeah, my video is not going to be ready in time because the game hasn't arrived yet. And I I already have a full February and half of March. Um, Next question from Jeremiah. Are your playthrough partners part of your regular play group? Um, Yeah, sometimes. Um, But... My playthrough partners that I play games with here—that is my regular play group. Um, other than going to the local games club on a Thursday, so I go to a I go to a local club, which is every other Thursday, and then every three months on a Sunday. And apart from that, I go around to Rick and Victoria's house on a Tuesday. Other than that, I don't play any other games with any other people apart from the occasional puzzle game with Vicky or something like that. So yeah, my my the people who you see playing games with me here on a Friday afternoon or a Friday evening, that that is one of my playgroups, really. It's not that I have a, another playgroup somewhere else. I mean, some of the people who I play games with on a Friday go to the group on a Thursday, but not all of them. Rob doesn't, Arthur doesn't, um, Pete does. Um, yeah, so some of them do, some of them don't. Uh, Next question from Board Games Unlocked. Not sure if this has been answered before, but do I have an ETA on the and Trespass Odyssey how to play videos? Um, So if you are one of my patron supporters, you have early access to those videos. Those videos are in current draft format and I have made them available for my patron supporters because my patron supporters have actually been checking them for well to see if they're good because A lot of my Patreon supporters don't actually know the game, so having them watch the videos ahead of time means that they can see if they are understandable from somebody who doesn't know the game. Because that's really important with my how-to-play videos, and that's why Vicky watches a lot of them as well, is that I want people to watch those videos who don't know anything about the game in order to go, right, I watched that video, did it teach me the game at the right pace, in the right order, did it flow? I also need those videos checked by people who do know the game to make sure that they are correct. Um, So yeah, I like to get my videos watched in advance before they go public, and the A and Trespass Odyssey ones, uh, which are currently being checked by the publisher, they've already been through my Patreon supporters twice. But when are they going to be made public? The videos will be made public when the publisher wants me to make them public, it will probably be sometime around middle to the end of March, I think, is when is when they will go public. I think the plan is to have the videos going out to roughly coincide with when uh, backers are actually going to get their copies of the games. Of course, if you've already got a copy of the game from the first printing, then yeah, I'm afraid you're, you're going to have to wait a bit. Next question from Matt Smith. Have I ever used the Dized app or website to learn a game from? I found the format useful at a games cafe with a new game. We skipped the rulebook entirely. So Matt, let me tell you a bit of a story about the Dized app. Um, For those people who don't know, many, 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 many years ago, I came up with a method which I use to teach people how to play games at conventions. It isn't a method which I would normally use with a with a games group, but it is specifically designed as a method for teaching people how to play a game at a convention. In other words, you want to get started as early as possible. Give people an overview, tell people roughly what it is they're trying to do, and then you learn by playing. <clears throat> and a number of games have done this with a with a sort of guided tutorial or things like that, and it is scientifically proven to be the best way to learn how to play a game. Believe it or not, most people cannot sit and listen to a 30-35 minute rules explanation, and then the demoer walks off and leaves you to it. That is the worst way to demo a game at a convention. Some publishers still do it. Shame on them. Anyway, I know the people that created the dyes app. I'm friends with them. I mean, not good friends. I don't chat to them regularly, but I've met the guys from the Diced app many, many, many times over the years at conventions. I've had meetings with them about various things, and I've done a little bit of work with them professionally. And basically, they were aware of my demo method for teaching people how to play games. And they said that their app is effectively Paul Grogan in app form it will teach you it will guide you through how to play a game step by step and go oh look draw card number 17 right card number 17 or it will just say draw a card and then it will say oh have a look at the icon in the top right of the card what icon is it and you will press the button in the app it's got this icon and then it will tell you what that icon is that's very very similar to my method in in the game i don't I don't show you the 10 different cards and then spend 15 minutes explaining the 10 different icons. No, we just draw one card and I go, oh, that's got a crossed swords icon. Crossed swords icon means there's a battle. Let's explain how battles work. You actually teach the games as you go along. Anyway, so the Dized app in the in the words of the people who created the Dized app is basically turning my demo method into an app. I haven't used it myself. But I know people that have and they've said it's great because it it literally does. As I say, it's a guided tutorial step by step. And if you are interested in that kind of thing, then check out the Dyes app. It's like a website or it's an app that you can download and things like that. Uh, And I've heard really good things about it. I just don't know how much content there is um, in the game for it. Um, and yeah, it's not been anything which I've, I've ever felt, um, a need to use because generally speaking, I already know the game or somebody else knows the game. So we've never been in a situation where we all need to learn a game together and the, the Dice app has that. So that's, it's not that I haven't used it because I don't want to use it. It's just, I've never been in the situation where it's best that that be used. Uh, next question, Hansa Teutonica, Sulkin, or Pizza with Pineapple? Pizza with pineapple. Out of those three, Pizza with pineapple while playing Sulkin. Next question from Keith. Have I ever been paid by Reiner Knizia to do something? No, nope. in fact, if you said to Rainer Knizia, uh, You know, what do you think about Paul Grogan? He would go who? Rainer Knizia will have, even though I met him at Essen Spiel last year, just like a thousand other people, uh, so Rainer Knizia, uh no. I've never been paid by him to do something because he very likely has absolutely no idea who I am. Um, next question from DVS. Have I tried Zhang Guo in solo mode? I haven't. So this is the new version of Zhang Guo has a solo mode. I haven't tried it. If I had, it would probably be on the channel. Uh, next question from Stephen: What do I think about Three Ring Circus? I was offered a review copy of Three Ring Circus at Spiel. And then I was offered a copy of Three Ring Circus by Thames and Cosmos UK. I declined because I had too many games. In fact, we are almost at the end of January. Well, halfway through. But even by the end of February this year, I still won't have got through all of the games that I picked up at Essenspiel. That's where we are. So I made a conscious decision to... Uh, come back with fewer games than I could have done and there were three games specifically which I could have come back with which I didn't one of them was was Rats of Wistar I was offered a review copy of that and I declined and I'm now thinking that I should have said yes because it's apparently a very good game one of them was Three Ring Circus which I think I would have liked and I think is a very good game but I've I've not played it and I, I likely won't and there was a third one as well that I can't remember what it was. But I'm glad I made that decision. And it's really painful for me as a gamer and as a content creator. Because I'm being offered a free copy of a game that is probably a good game. That I probably would like. But I was being sensible because I already had 15 other games that I was coming back with. That I'm somehow going to have to find time to play. So it, it was the right decision to say no to these games. But yeah, that's why I, that's why I don't have it uh another question from Stephen: what's your favorite deck building game well it depends if you class mage knight as a deck building game if you class mage knight as a deck building game then mage knight i mean technically it is because it does have deck building in it but if you want to talk more traditional deck building games where you literally keep going through your deck over and over and over and over again not like mage knight or you know lost ruins of arnak or dune imperium which use deck building um then probably aeon's end aeon's end is fantastic it is a cooperative game but it is a fantastic game and i wish i had the time to cover more aeon's end on the channel because it is an amazing amazing game and there is a steam implementation which is really well done so aeon's end is a cooperative deck building game But it is probably, I think, my favorite deck building game. Um, That's it. The questions have run out and it's only 20 past eight. I thought we were going to be here forever because I spent 45 minutes answering Stuart's question. Um, There's still question. There's still time. There's another 10 minutes if you want to ask any more questions in the chat. But we will just do a quick reminder of the contest. Um, And did I mention the winner last time? Okay, the winner last time was Norman Clark, who, in his own words, he emailed me back today to say I have never won anything before in my life. So Norman is one of my patron supporters. Um, He's not active on the Slack channel. I don't think he is. I've not seen him on there. Um, But he is one of my patron supporters and he won the contest last month. Here he is, Norman Clark. Um, Yeah, he says, I won't say I've never won anything before. Oh, he didn't say that. Okay, but it's a it's a it's a pleasant shock. So, um, he also wants me to arrange for the temperature in sunny Scotland to rise. Yeah. I mean, you can have some of ours if you want, if you know, cause it's really warm down here, not <laughs> anyway, congratulations, Norman. And thank you very much for your support. Let me know what you buy with your 50 pounds worth of vouchers. Um, so yeah, contest click on the link links, going there links in the chat link is in the video description as well. Um. And yeah, just just enter, give us your name, give us your email address, tell me if you're a patron supporter or not. And the secret word, you need to tell me, what are the chances of rolling four sixes on a, on when you roll four six-sided dice, what's the chances of rolling four sixes? And whenever you get round to watching the fourth Agamonia tutorial and playthrough video, which will be going live at the start of February, you'll know why I'm asking that question. Right, final questions. Next one is really easy, Agricola or Caverna. I'm going to say Caverna, but here's the situation. I was a huge fan of Agricola when it came out. So I was one of the people that bought the original, original version of Agricola when it came out, when it was only available in German, and it didn't even have any meeples. It had little white cubes for the sheep, little brown cubes for the cows, um, and it was only available in German. Then the next year, because the game did well, they released a whole load of English cards and they swapped my German cards for English cards. Um, Anyway, played it loads. We've played it together. Me and Vicky have played it together. We've played the solo game together, and I loved it, absolutely loved Agricola. But then Caverna came out and I am in the camp that feels caverna is the better game now let's reword that i prefer playing caverna to agricola and there's a few reasons for that the first reason is i despite me enjoying complex games i don't like games that are overly punishing and overly tight they're just not enjoyable for me I want games that are a little bit more open and I'm not talking completely open, but just a little bit so that you can actually stretch your legs and enjoy the game without constantly worrying and constantly having to struggle just to meet the minimum requirements. Okay? And Caverna has that. Caverna, you still have to get the food to feed your people, but you have to go through fewer steps. Also, I believe the points system in Agricola I think just favours population too easily Uh, it's a bit too rigid you've got to get the extra population um, extra family members and things like that so when Caverna came out Agricola got put on the shelf and it didn't get played again now then last year not last year no the year before 2022 There was a 15th anniversary edition of Agricola. And I asked Lookout Games if I could have a review copy of it. And they said yes. So I now have the 15th anniversary edition of Agricola. With all of the new revised cards. And since then I've bought myself all of the extra decks. So I've now got the A, B, C, D and E deck. And I have covered it on the channel. We covered it at the end of 2022. And I haven't played it since. And I really want to. And I went back to it as a kind of... I used to love this game. I used to play this game loads, and I haven't played it in a long time. Let's go back to it, and let's play it. And I really enjoyed it. Now, I'm not saying I've changed my opinion. I still think Caverna is a more enjoyable game for me to play. But going back to Agricola, with the extra space that allowed for an extra family growth, which isn't in the base game, it's like an extra expansion thing that you add onto the side, it makes the game less tight. But I really enjoyed the game. And I would happily play it again. What I still don't enjoy is this. All oh, right, I've got to do that. And I've got to do that. And now I've got that. And now I've got the food. But now I've got to save up. And now I've got to buy an oven. And now I've got to cook the food. Basically you get limited actions in the game. And half of those actions. Are spent struggling to feed your people. Whereas I want to spend those actions doing fun stuff. And cool stuff. Rather than just struggling to do that anyway yeah so i played it i enjoyed it more than i thought i would and i now that and and it's on board game arena as well so i've been playing it a little bit on board game arena as well in fact let's i'll start another game of it tonight so later on tonight i am going to start a game of it on board game arena um and i'll post about it on the slack channel and yeah we'll get some more people in Um, Do I prefer to have deluxe versions for Euro games? That is a very good question. This is from Wadlikes. Do I prefer to have deluxe editions for Euro games? So, the answer is yes. And I think you'll probably find that most people would prefer to have deluxe versions of board games rather than normal ones. If you don't, if you prefer to have normal ones, then let me know why. Is it cost? Because... I'm, I'm in the fortunate position that I work in the hobby. I have a YouTube channel and I generally get games given to me as review copies. And generally speaking, if I want the deluxe copy, I will get the deluxe copy. And that's a benefit that I have. That is a perk of the job that I have. And from a publisher's point of view, that publisher wants to see the deluxe version shown so that people see it and go, well, that looks nice. I'm going to go and buy that. That's the whole reason why publishers give people like me games so that we can produce content to encourage more people to buy them. Effectively, it is marketing. Um, So for me, I prefer to have the deluxe copy of the game and I normally get the deluxe copy of the game. Now, let's pretend for a minute that I don't have a YouTube channel and I am just like you. I have to go out and I have to buy my board games. Now we're talking a different story. At that point, I would actually be looking hard about the differences between a normal version and a deluxe version. Because for me, I generally like the game. And as long as the components are good enough, I don't need deluxe components to enjoy a game. So there are a few games that I have where the deluxe version is nice, but I don't need it. And for example, Voidfall, right? I have the deluxe version of Voidfall with the miniatures. The miniatures are nice. I have played the game three times without the miniatures and I still enjoyed it just as much. So, you know, Voidfall, what would I do? If I was buying Voidfall with my own money, what would I buy? One thing that I probably wouldn't buy are things like metal coins, metal components, deluxified this. I don't generally go in for them myself. And that's mainly because that um, I'm not going to play the game enough. To really appreciate that, I mean, if, if this is one of my favourite games and I'm going to be playing it three, four times a year every year, then sure, the deluxe version makes sense. But if I'm only really going to play it four or five times, then yeah, it's not worth it. Um, we've had some more questions, right? So we've had some more questions. So I will now say no more questions. If you have any more questions for me, please we please leave them till next month. We are now going to. Finish off answering the questions which I've been asked. So we've got one, two, three, four, five more questions. The first one of which is uh just joined the stream, so it might not have been asked, what game mechanic would you like to see more of in games? Uh anything. Um I don't I don't I don't think there's any particular game mechanism that I would like to see more of. Uh, there is a particular okay, let's call it a mechanism. The mechanism where You do not have to choose your end-of-game scoring cards until halfway through the game. For me, that should be in every single game. Every single game where you get two or more end-of-game scoring cards and you are forced to make a decision at the start of the game which one of those to keep. Bad, bad, bad game. I house rule it straight away. Uh, Wait till halfway through the game or even at the end of the game. Because that's what we used to do with Gloomhaven. In Gloomhaven, you get a battle goal for that scenario, and you are supposed to choose at the start of the scenario which battle goal you want, and you throw the other one away. And then, yeah, we don't do that. The way we used to do it is you get two battle goals, you keep them both. Then at the end of the scenario, you can achieve one of them. So you can only ever achieve one of them. But I don't like the idea where you, ha- you are forced to make a big decision before the game's even started. There is no need from a game design perspective, most of the time, to force the players into making that decision at the start of the game. So that's what I would like to see more of. I would like to see more designers waking up to that idea, which has been used a few times, um and ark nova has made it really popular and yeah and and as i say any game which has that as a as a mechanism where you are forced to make that decision at the start i house to rule it immediately so next question from board games unlocked you mentioned working hard on the ato how to play do you have any tier on when that will be uploaded oh i mentioned that I've, yeah i already mentioned that did i i think i mentioned that yeah march ish End of, end of March is How is my campaign going? Well, we are on day 48 or 49. We have had to put the campaign on hold because we're playing Agamonia this month. So this month I am filming uh, a lot of tutorial and playthrough videos for Agamonia. And as such, I'm playing it every Tuesday and every Wednesday. It's taking up a huge amount of time. Once we have done these videos, we will be going back to Aeon Trespass Odyssey. So Aeon Trespass Odyssey, we will be going back to it in February. Uh, And for those people who are interested, I live stream all of our Aeon Trespass Odyssey games, but they are private. They are for Patreons only, as a Patreon exclusive. Uh, But every Tuesday night, at the moment we're playing Agamonia, but we'll be going back to Aeon Trespass Odyssey. And if you are interested, if you want to join the Patreon, then um, you will have access to those videos. There are 23 of them, I think. 23 or 24 playthroughs of Aeon Trespass Odyssey on the channel. And the reason why they're not public, for those of you thinking that I'm deliberately creating a fire, you know, a paywall for content, it's because I'm creating official, proper, how-to-play videos for the game. It wouldn't be right for, in addition to that, to be some very, very low quality, because it's a webcam round at Rick's house playthroughs where we get half of the rules wrong that's just not right i'm not going to release those videos to the public when we are clearly l- struggling with the rules learning how to play and everything else but for patreon supporters if you want to see them they are on the channel uh next board games unwrap says does the balance of feeding in marrakesh feel okay yeah absolutely so i have no problem with games where you have to feed your people uh, so in Marrakesh, uh, it is divided into three years and each year you have to provide, you have to meet the needs of the people by providing them with various resources. It's a part of the game that you have to take into account or you lose points. But what um, my my problem with, and other games have that as well, Zolkin has it. My problem with Agricola is that you are literally spending, or certainly for me, maybe I'm a bad player, you are spending half of your actions in the game, just just struggling to find the food to meet the needs of your people. Therefore, you're only actually having fun with the with with the rest of it. Um, next question from Jay Chan: What are your thoughts on Conan? Interesting, because um, they've just launched another Kickstarter, I think, where you can get the original game and all all of the bits for a super cheap price. I have a lot of thoughts on Conan so let me let me tell you this so I'm friends with the people at Monolith uh Monolith are a client of mine I'm not doing any work for them at the moment but I have done a lot of work for Monolith in the past as, as a client um, and I got to know Fred Henry he's a really nice guy and I got to know some of the other people who work at Monolith and I get on with them really well Conan was their first game and I actually did the how to play video for conan if you go back on my channel 10 years however long it was i did the how to play video for conan i don't ever want to watch that video because it it will make me cringe when i started creating how to play videos the quality was awful i was really nervous and i just i just don't ever want to go back and watch my younger self doing videos back then um, the quality of the filming was terrible. The quality of the editing was terrible. Um, me, the way that I presented myself, it just it just wasn't good. But anyway, Monolith hired me to create the how to play video for Conan, but it wasn't really a full how to play. It was actually just more of a of a five minute overview because I used digital graphics. It it wasn't a how to play video. It was it was a five minute overview that they used for their Kickstarter campaign, and I did. And I was actually really excited about the the game because I I think the idea um, and we spent the afternoon playing Agamonia. I like the idea where to do certain things in the game, you have to spend stamina and then you have to rest to get that stamina back. I like that as an idea. Agamonia has that. Conan has that. You can go in and you can just punch somebody lightly or you can spend four stamina and you can really hit them hard. I liked that idea. And I was really excited when Conan got delivered and finally turned up round our house. And I will never forget this because me and two other people sat downstairs, all very excited. The game's just arrived. Let's try and play the game. Now, for those of you that don't know, the original printing of Conan came with one of the worst rulebooks ever written. It was so bad, we were unable to play the game from the rulebook and that's not me being overly critical literally some of the rules in the rulebook were completely wrong and half of them were completely missing the only people who were able to play conan when it came out were the people who'd been involved in the campaign watched all of the videos not just my video but loads and loads and loads of playthrough videos And those people who already knew how to play the game, who went, oh, yeah, the rulebook's fine. No, the rulebook wasn't fine. So it was massively disappointing. Now, I wasn't the only one who thought this. And in fact, Monolith, to their credit, fixed the problem. They went away. They spent months and months hiring other editors, totally and utterly rewriting the entire rulebook and then printing it and then sending it out to every backer for free that's how you fix a problem so congratulations well done to monolith for doing that i haven't gone back to conan since but there have been at least two or three occasions in the last couple of years where i have been into the attic got the game down looked at it and thought i really want to play this and then put it back in the attic so yeah i haven't played it properly since getting the new rulebooks I kind of want to, because I kind of want to see how it properly plays. Um, And because I haven't actually played it, I can't really give my thoughts on it. But there are some things that I do know about the game that, that I can say. One thing about the game is the scenarios are very fixed. And what I mean by that is, if you are three people, you need to find a scenario for exactly that number of people. It's not like Gloomhaven, where... Every scenario in the game can be played by any number of characters of any level. It's literally, oh, we're three people today, so one person's going to play the Overlord and we need two heroes. Right, so we can only play this scenario or this scenario or this scenario. The other thing with those scenarios, and I might be wrong on this, so correct me if I'm wrong. The other thing with those scenarios is that they are fixed. They use fixed enemies, so there's no flexibility. There's no variability. It's like this one has these monsters and that's it. And I think one of the problems that the campaign and the game had is that because it was being driven very much by the IP and the miniatures, they released tons and tons and tons of add-on expansion sets where you got all of these extra minis and more minis and more minis and more minis. But you couldn't actually use those minis in the scenarios because the scenarios were fixed. It was like, well, you need six of this enemy and you need three of that. Yeah, but I've bought this expansion set with all of these extra minis. Yeah, well, you can't use them. So my information that I'm giving you now is years old, and it might have changed. They may have have released some guides that allow you to change the monsters in some of the scenarios. I don't know. But I would actually like to play Conan. So if you live near me and you have Conan and you're happy to teach me how to play and you've got some scenarios, and ideally, if you've got painted miniatures, let me know. I would definitely like to give it a go um anyway that's that final question from keith do many youngsters go to the thursday games evening your call on what's a youngster (laughs) keith says under 25 well keith if under 25 is a youngster let me have a think how many people go on a thursday night normally about 20 there's normally about 20 people on a thursday night out of those 20 i would say I don't know actually, I don't think that many. I think most people there are, well, there's a good range of people there, right? I'm 50, what year is it? uh, I'm 53. Um, There are people there older than me. There are people there that are younger than me. So I think think there's a good mix of people. I think the, the people there are anywhere between maybe between 25 and 60 i think i think i think there is a right good mix of people um that go to the club um so yeah i wouldn't have i don't think there are many youngsters there's a few people there who i don't know how old they are because to me age it doesn't matter i, I it makes absolutely no difference whatsoever so it's to the point where i don't even acknowledge it and also i'm not good at estimating how old people are a lot of people these days look a lot younger than they are um So, yeah, there there are people there who I might think, oh, they might only look 25 and they're probably like 32 or 33 or something. Anyway, that's it. We are we are done. (sighs) Exhausted. We're going to go downstairs and watch an episode of Black Mirror um, and then I'm going to go to bed and get an early night. And hopefully Loki won't wake me up at two o'clock in the morning. Well, yeah. eh? Um, So, first of all, thank you for everybody who's been uh, keeping me. Keeping us company in in the live chat. Uh, thank you to everybody who's who's watched this afterwards as well. And as I say, if you are watching this back afterwards, let me know the answer to the, some of these questions um, because I can't answer some of these questions myself. Um, and I'm I'm really interested in into se- one thing that I like doing. And I say this every month, and not many people do it. But when you're watching this video back, or you're listening to this as a podcast, and you come onto this video and you leave me a comment and you say my three favourite Star Trek characters who are not main characters are this. I like reading those comments. So it's not about leaving me a comment to help the algorithm so that I get more views. It's because I want to know what you think. You know, do you prefer Agricola or Caverna? Um, You know, all all of those sorts of things. Do you prefer a snowman or a snowball fight? So all of the questions that I've been asked, not every single one, but if you want to give your opinions, leave me a comment. Let me know. That's it. Don't forget about the contest. You can enter 50 pounds worth of games vouchers. Congratulations to Norman for winning last month. Thank you very much to Games Law for supporting the channel by you know, giving £25 worth of vouchers, and I'll give £25 myself. And we're all done. Um, for those people interested, I will be back Friday night, Friday evening this week, with a live stream of Boone Lake with the expansion. Not sponsored. Voted on by Patreon supporters. But I will be doing that on Friday. Uh, and that's everything. So yeah, thank you very much. See you all next time. Bye-byes!